from the short tracks to the super speedways, from two wheels to four wheels, it's Revved Up ATX on the Horn with Bobby Chaffee and Rodney Rodriguez. This is where Austin talks racing. Austin does talk racing right here as the Saturday morning lineup rolls on. It is Revved Up ATX on the Horn, live local digital on the Horn app, your smart speaker, and at hornfm.com. We also remind you to check out and subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash at the Horn Austin. All your great content right there, as well as all of your podcasts at hornfm.com. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rodney Rodriguez. Across the way, Showtime Bobby Chaffee. Bobby, we've got a lot to talk about, my man. Behind the glass, it is the car chief, the crew chief up atop of the pit box. It is our man, Mr. Ty Henderson, as we dive in. Daytona in the rearview mirror. Time to get the season started, Bob. Well, except for the weather in California. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to get to see. Daytona was great, and Daytona was fun, and there was, was a lot of stories. I about that one getting rained out. And then now we're at California and fixing to be in a holding pattern because of Mother Nature the next couple of days. Yes, we will update you uh, about that uh, throughout the morning as that, uh, we're continuing to see stuff get postponed, uh, which is going to make for some interesting uh, activity once uh, we get to the point where we, we do get cars on the track. And bottom of the hour, around 11.25, we will talk to Nate Ryan with NBC Sports uh, there at California. He had a great article this week uh, uh, that that he put together talking about the future of California Speedway uh, and such. What's going to happen with all of that? This situation won't help any of that. Uh, the more you get delayed, the people are going to leave, whatever. But uh, we'll dive into that bottom of the hour. We do have to recap the Daytona 500. Later on in the program, pit stop news and notes, places for races, Supercross back in Texas as they hit uh, Arlington. And then we've got news uh, as well about the NTT IndyCar Series as they'll be firing off as well over there in DFW at Texas Motor Speedway coming up uh, at the beginning of April. Hit this thing over with the whole shot. And I'll tell you, the whole shot, I, I was trying to figure out what to do with the whole shot and i walked in this morning and when i come in ties on the pit box and he says hey dude i watched the whole daytona 500 i want to ask i, I want to ask you guys some questions i'm like man you are tying right in to what i'm gonna whole shot about because that that's the newer nascar fans right there you have this 52 lead changes i mean just everything that we saw in this event you have a great finish old nascar fan older uh, longer tenured NASCAR fans, it's horrible. What? What? Too many we... cautions. Too many cautions. Not enough overtime. Don't, aren't those the same people that complain when a race would finish under caution? Though, right. It can't yeah. end under yellow. It can't end under yellow. Remember when? Remember nineteen ninety eight? That race. Well, everybody wanted that to, win, to end <laughs> under yellow. Of course they did. Of course they did. That. That's when Earnhardt wins his race. But that's all week. All week, what I've heard, uh, where, where you've had folks that, that maybe latched onto this, maybe started watching last year during the pandemic, and they're like, you know, th this was really good. I like how this played out. I, this car, um, it's beginning to make sense, what you guys talk about on the show with, with this car and what the car does, and yeah, first-time winner and, and single-car team, all of that. And then the longer-tenured fan is, no, no, what, I didn't want the, I didn't want the, uh, the dark horse to win. <laughs> I want Kyle Larson to win. And, and it's like, guys, what, what, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? What I hope happens, at some point, NASCAR just says, do like the NFL. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. We'll review this biannual basis or whatever they do. Right, there. Just let it be. Just let it be too damn bad. This is what you get. Well, it's going to end up being, well, with Big Bill France, it was that way. Of course it was. I mean, and then with Bill Jr., it was that way. They ran the sport with an iron fist. But 
because they ran that sport with an iron fist, it's still successful. That's why it's been around for 75 years. And, and here's the other part about it. Uh, I mean, when the, the um, it's dying, lackluster, whatever, you average 8.8 8. 8 whatever million people that watch that thing. It peaked just over 10 million. And the thing, what, what people, I mean, because people are going to, well, yes, that's true. Older, NASCAR fan. Yes, that's true, but the numbers are down from last year. Well, m- maybe that number's down, but I'll tell you what's up is the share, which is the, the more important. Mm-hmm. 15.16 was the share of that race. 15% of TVs or whatever's that were on in this entire country were watching that. It may that been, is a damn good number. It may have been down, but it dominated the TV. Absolutely. It dominated TV, all of it. Cable, sports, all of it. It dominated on a, everything. On a weekend that Tiger Woods was playing, Tiger Woods was was in in golf, uh, NBA All-Star game. NASCAR usually whips that one's ass anyway. Well, that was but, pretty rough anyway. That was the, yeah. like the lowest ratings ever in the history of the NBA All-Star uh, game. Absolutely. Understandably why. I mean, but but this, this right here, you, you look at this and it's like, I'm not sure what else you can do right here to, uh, I mean, and... I've talked to a lot of folks that that have been NASCAR folks for a long time to, that say what what they're doing, you know, whether it be like with the Clash and the music and all of this other pre-race shows and all of that, you know, they're catering to the new fan. Well, you're damn right. They need to. They have to. Yeah, uh, I mean, because all these old folks that complain and moan all the time, they're going to eventually die off. And and they ain't watching anyway. But watch every lap. They're not. They claim they ain't watching, but they know every single thing that happened that week. It's entertainment. You go and you watch any big event, and the whole thing is when the rest of the season. Now that we get rolling, now you won't have all of that uh, until we get to to some other events later in the season. But that's that's really. I mean, I, I talked to a guy this week that's made for TV. Oh uh, yeah, you think it is now? <laughs> when TV is fixing to pony up the billions of dollars that they're going to pay, will it be NFL style numbers? No. Will it be Major League Baseball numbers? No. Well, but it's going to be know. up there. It's going to be record setting prices made for the TV packages coming up with this new media rights deal. And and it's a, it's a lot of eyeballs, and it's a lot of and a lot of it is. I mean, and, and with Daytona because and this is something that we'll talk to Ty about because I mean you know Ty's got to put money on this thing for crying out loud. So so that that's where he gets honed into that, and, and he <laughs> you know it made him watch the race differently. But that's where Ty, you sit here and you listen to us when we're talking about all these you know Kyle Larson's and all of this stuff. But but you were rattling off you know Chris Busher and all these different guys. I mean that that right there, uh, not a bad thing I would think as somebody just just putting eyeballs on this to see different people doing stuff. No, I, I learned so much just sitting there watching, and I, I had a few guys knock. I had Eric Jones and the Gun to Rosa car knocked out a little early, <laughs> which I was disappointed about. But just I picked five guys, put a, put a little bit of money on them, and and just I was going to watch anyways, but just you know make things interesting like I always sure. do. Um, but yeah, I mean, just I learned a lot of the names. You know, I know I knew a lot of the big names just from you know watching ESPN and being yeah. around you guys, but. Um, some of the ins and I, I had some questions about the pit stops and how, like how choosing when you go in affects the end of the race. Mm -hmm. Well, basically that was more manufacturer based really, because you saw a lot of manufacturers pit together. And then there's always that pit window where you have about five or six laps, depending on manufacturer, engine builder and stuff like that, that can determine when you want to pit. You want to pit early, especially at the super speedway, but the more important part of the speedways is to where you want to pit together with all of your manufacturer brethren. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, you know, the way this thing shook out. I mean, the interesting part about this was, because we talk about it so many different times, what what, what I thought was neat after I kind of started, uh, went back and rewatched it, was that, that you had a Chevy, a Ford, and a Toyota. One, two, three. And, of course, that's going to go back to, well, yeah, but if they'd have restarted again, they, they would have teamed up. But, but don't what if it, because that's not the way it works. Next flag ends it. I like that rule, personally. But uh, the, the manufacturer thing is what is is what is so big in these speedway races because they do i mean you want to you want to have your dancing partner is what you you probably heard them talking about you have teammates but beyond that do you kind of roll with like toyota or like whoever what your car is yeah yeah what what you have let's say hendrick for example you've got the you've got the hendrick cars larson who who is it larson uh elliot Elliot, bowman Bowman, and byron Byron. you got the you got the four hendrick cars but at the same time you've got the other so that's who you're i guess you would say would be more obligated to to want to work with but when when that happens then you're going to go to the rest of the chevrolets you know like kyle bush and and uh, can they all talk or is it just your team just your team just your team the spotters but, can but talk the spotters to each can other. talk to each other so they're, they're making deals dude you want to talk about uh, that's one of the coolest things to watch during a nascar race is you go to the spotter stand and those guys are just like they're they're hauling ass back and forth you know trying to find somebody to work with and, and the bobby the the cool thing about that is even with that we can say all the chevrolets but maybe Kyle Busch's car, for whatever reason, works better with Alex Bowman's car, and it doesn't work so well with Kyle Larson's. And that's that's the beauty of of the of the stuff that you can't rig. That's the stuff yeah. you can't rig. Well, then you get down with what under five to go, and it's all out. The biggest rule that most car owners have is don't wreck your teammate. That's for every single race, especially at a super speedway race. But you know, don't wreck your teammate. Don't take your teammate out. Uh, when it gets to the white flag, it's just anything goes. We saw that last year when Austin Sinjic threw the block on Brian Blaney to take him to the win for the Daytona 500. So uh, I've really questioned the restart there with the RCR teammates with Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon. But there for a minute, I thought Busch was in that catbird seat. But like you said, that was really early. It was 10 to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it really was. So how did Ricky Stein, Steinhouse, right? Is he yeah, Stenhouse. Stenhouse. Uh-huh. So he's on a team by himself, though, right? Single car team. Single car team. So is that... That doesn't happen very that, often. That does not happen very often. And and, and when we talk about it, at, if it's going to happen, if it's going to happen, it usually happens at, at Daytona or Talladega or now maybe Atlanta because they produce this sort of racing. Why, why are those races different, though? The, those are just wide open. The, the pack racing, that that all of those cars together, everybody racing together all day long on these big... So it's not usually like that? They, 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 they spread them out because this, Daytona, Talladega, Atlanta, that's two and a half, uh, two, two mile, two and a half mile racetracks. And, and the pack racing, because it's all about clean air, it's all about working with your teammate. When we start getting to even California this week, we'll, we'll see that, not to the extent that we just saw it. But once we get to the mile and a half, like Texas, we start racing at the, at the short tracks, you, they'll spread it out. They'll spread it out. And, that, and that's where that dancing partner that we talk about, that, that's where there's a lot more flexibility because you, you, gotta, you just got to find somebody because you, you don't have all 38 of them running right there together. Yeah, it's definitely a lot different when you get to the regular racetracks where you'll notice the difference in the quality of the team, if you will, Mm -hmm. where like a Rick Ware Racing was able to run in the top 15 at a super speedway. 
they'll be running top 30 when we get to California, Texas, Bristol, some of these other races coming up. Yeah, it, like like the, the this team right here, the the JTG team with uh, with Stenhouse, uh, the, uh, Brad Doherty is part owner of that as well. Uh, but but they it, it, they were once a multi car team. They they had two, I think they were two car team. And what they one had, charter, two cars. That's right, one charter, two cars. But what they went in and did, they were like, you know, we we don't have the budget of Hendrick. We don't have the budget of of Joe Gibbs. We need to thin this thing out. One car, they kept Ricky Stenhouse, which in my opinion, and, and for Stenhouse, this win is so big because, I mean, you know, the, the Danica jokes right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're, you're sitting there waiting what, for did, him. Did he, did he date her? He, he, he dated her. When, when, when she, they were both racing? When they were both racing. Ooh. For a long time. Man. For a long time. Yeah, yeah. Were they teammates out there? Uh, no, no, they were actually separate. He was he was in a Ford, she was in a Chevrolet. So uh, they were totally opposite. And they got together a few times. They did. Literally. They did. They did. They had they had similar luck, it seemed like, with them. Because Stenhouse, Stenhouse the, the rap on him, I guess if you want to say the rap, I think I even joked about it last week when we talked about the big one. I said it might be Stenhouse that causes it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just because he he's had, that's the luck that he's had. But a lot of that's been equipment. I mean, he's trying to do a lot with not as much, like he's doing here, but these races are, word of the day, much much more conducive for something like that to happen. And Ty, the, the best part about this is, for, for that team, for that single-car team, for Cottonell, for Kroger, for all of the partners right there, that is going to net them big-time money that uh, they would not have gotten otherwise. What's the what's the purse for winning? Uh, what is the purse to win this They thing? don't post the purse yeah. anymore, but it's yeah. probably $2 million ish probably more than likely to win with all the incentives and stuff like that and so also during the broadcast i was hearing a lot about how it's like oh if he wrecks his car he's got to pay for it oh that that was that that was a special situation that was uh that was pastrana Mm -hmm. so pastrana was it was he did a a lot better than people thought he he got 11th he, he, he had never run in a cup race, especially in this juggernaut right here. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is so much of this is, is you sit and you watch this, and you're watching the guy behind the wheel, but the spotters that we talk about, you know, the guys up top, they're the ones. They're the ones. That is the most fascinating thing to listen to is, is you're sitting there driving, and you got a guy, you got somebody to the inside. Go high. And it's like, hell, you just do what they say. It's like, go high. You're going 200-some-odd miles an hour, and you just, you just can't see anything. You're restricted here. You've got mirrors everywhere, but you're moving at lightning pace, you know, and, and it's like it's one of those things where, it, 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 you know, go to the inside. I'd be like, oh, man, <laughs> it's crazy. It was it was crazy how calm they acted during the crashes, though. I oh. mean, it it seemed like most of them. I mean, they were pissed off. They crashed, but sure. like, not they weren't scared. They were going to get like killed or anything. Well, that's super speedway racing, though. It's not a matter of if the big one's coming. It's when. just a matter of when the big and how one many, is. And how many big crashes were there, like Four, three, three, three or four, yeah. at least three that I know, but maybe four. And that's you know with and that's another thing that that folks really frown on. You know when it comes down to the the races and exciting or whatever, and then all of that starts happening, and then the 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 consensus of the I guess if you want to call it negative feedback is okay. Now they're just running each other over. They're tearing a bunch of stuff up. It's like it's like I, I think folks would be happier if you could spread the wrecks out. But the whole thing is with the way that these super speedway races are, you just sit. I mean, you you mm-hmm. you've got to get you've got to get to fifty, a hundred to go. If you get to that point, you've won half of the battle. That's right. Yeah, easily winning half the battle. If you can survive a couple of big ones, that's how you end up being right there where you need to be I at mean, the end. Where was Stenthouse when he 
came up. Stenhouse, to take, to Bush. He, he was he top was, ten, he, top yeah, ten. He, he was sitting in the top ten, and so much of that is, and that's where when we talk about air and all that, you have to d- depending on what move you make or what move you're told to make. If you're sitting in the pack, let's say you got two, you got two lines of cars running right here. You'll see from time to time somebody gets in the middle. And as soon as they get in the middle, they're going straight back because there's there's nobody to push, there's nobody to pull, there's nothing there. Yeah, I noticed that a few times where like one or two cars would just drift like 15 spots back, and I was like, what is what ha- like is the car breaking down? What's happening? I, I was so and I was texting one of my buddies who he's a big NASCAR guy, and he was so locked into the race he wasn't responding to me the entire time. So I was trying to figure, <laughs> figure stuff out myself, but. Yeah, that was that was one of the questions I had too. Why why that took place a few times? That's the power of the draft. That's why they call the draft the great equalizer. Uh, when you go by yourself, you got one car. He's probably going five miles an hour slower by himself than they are going together in the pack like that. And what's the cap at? Two hundred. Well, they wanted the the all time speeds two twelve before Bobby Allison hit the fence in the mid nineties. Don't they like? Put it to where you, your it's, car it's can't get faster. It's 189 yeah, now, yeah, eight, right at 190. That, that's about what they're doing. But I mean, you think but about it. But it goes faster than that, doesn't it? I mean, it, it down the straightaway it does. That's the average speed. That's the average speed. When they actually have when they actually have the telemetry inside the car to where to where you can see the miles per hour on the straightaway, you, you will see the speed pick up. And then uh, where it gets where it gets weird at Daytona, you, you don't lift very often. You don't you don't get out of the throttle. I mean, it's like here you go. You see this big old hill over here that you're about to try to navigate and you don't lift you just stay in the gas and that right there when, when folks talk about and, and when you mention the wrecks i mean these guys i mean i hate to say i mean i, I know in my time of racing you know in in short tracks not that i've retired but it um you you kind of get used to it i think yeah. as weird as that sounds um the, these guys have have had i mean just major smash ups and it's like it's like nothing and, and and it's more like what you said. Uh, you every now and then you'll see a guy uh, a little shook up. You know when he gets out of the car. Thing is, when you see the window net come down, that that means they're okay. That's the rule. You have a wreck. You put that net down. You're okay. But it, it is more often than not they're pissed more than anything else. Usually away from a super speed race though. Like if they yeah. get into it and they crash, then they're really upset. I, want, I wanted to see like a fight. Between that, has not happened. That happens oh, every once in a while, right? Or oh, that, each other's that's, faces. That's the biggest. The, that's the biggest appeal of this race in 1979. It came down to the end. Kale Yarbrough and Donnie Allison. They 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 wipe each other out. AJ Foyt, uh, Daryl Waltrip, uh, and Richard Petty are about a half a track behind. The two leaders crash going into turn three. They, they come down to the bottom. The, those guys float by. Richard Petty wins, and then um, he was mentioned in Bobby Allison. So Donnie Allison's his brother. Here comes Bobby. Allison. Allison, who had had a run-in with Kale Yarbrough that day also, and boom, it was on right there. Biggest One of the biggest moments in NASCAR history. You had a big knockdown. Did the crowd erupt? Oh, my God. That, that, and the, the it coo- changed the course of NASCAR forever because it was it. there was a blizzard that covered. Yeah. Kind of like now with the blizzard covering three-quarters of the United States, and they were all snowed in, didn't have anything to do, and it was the first ever live three channels. Daytona 500 <laughs> Yeah. On CBS, one of one of three channels. Storm. Perfect storm changed the course of NASCAR forever. There is there is, it, perfect storm. Look that up. There is a documentary from Fox Sports about that entire presentation. Is that what it's called? The perfect storm. The perfect storm, and it uh, it explains it. And that's uh, they still. I mean, you still get a little bit of that. And and now that now that we've gotten away from Daytona, it seems like what what you get more of at Daytona is the they get out of the car and they're talking uh, about someone. Mm-hmm. Where now when we start getting into the more 
more intermediate uh, into the short track. That's where you may have a little pushing and shoving, and more often than not, it's the teams. <laughs> a lot of the teams, the drivers, the PR guys try to get the drivers out of there as fast as they can. But yeah, yeah. there'd be a lot of pushing and shoving. At least they didn't have to deal with the the finish of the Xfinity race. That was even worse. Oh. Three wide, couple inches apart. That was insane. And and it's just, I mean, it really is just a byproduct of what happens at the super speedways. And you know, it uh, it drives me it drives me mad each and every time. I, I don't know why I let it get to me, but it's a, every super speedway race. It's the same thing, you know. When it comes down to the to the pack racing, the wrecking the cars, and then when you have the finish right here, I would much rather see this than you know. I mean, remember when Indy when when Indianapolis finishes under yellow. There was Come an on. uproar about that without even attempting it. I mean, it's a, the rules at Indianapolis. So let's say we five hundred miles, regardless of what happens. Right. You have you have five laps to go. You have a wreck, and you know it's going to take hypothetically eight laps to clean up the racetrack they're going to keep them running under yellow the laps will count they'll come down to the white flag yellow in the white will wave and then the checkered and the yellow will wave race All is over so that, they win the race going like half the speed ex- mm-hmm. exactly and 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 people are bitching about this finish well so the, all so they go to like replay like video review right and if he has like enough of a gap between him and the next guy that's when they call it is well, that that's for this for the cup race how it works. They go to the they go to the timing with the caution lights and use the cameras and video and everything else to determine who's ahead. That's what they did at the Xfinity race on Saturday night. You had guys three wide. The equivalent of maybe six seven inches was the difference between first and second, and another six seven inches was the difference back to third. They were three wide. Had to look at an overhead view, a side view, in car view, everything to determine who won that Xfinity series. Yeah, race. The, the cars the cars have transponders in them, and there are scoring loops in the racetrack. In the racetrack, I've got uh, Chris Wright, a uh, fr- friend of ours. Uh, he now works for NASCAR. He's like in charge of scoring. He there were there are times where he goes out and manually places these scoring loops into the asphalt. It's pretty crazy. So, stuff, what man. would be the alternative to finishing it like that, though? Just cleaning it up and doing a restart and restart and restart. That's that's what mm-hmm. that's what folks want, you, you know. But I mean, that's what I wanted. Well, I was like, let's get this going again. Yeah, it, but the the whole thing is though. So this wound up being the day. What they say, Daytona five thirty. Yeah, it was super long. They, they ran thirty extra Fif- miles, fifteen extra laps. I think. Yeah, yeah. So so that's one way to do it. But you know, I I, I, w- I couldn't help but can't help but think. But I mean, if you do that, I mean, the monotony that you're going to have right there because you're just going to continue to tear stuff up. People are just in a wreck on like every time. I, I would assume so. I mean, it's until you run out of cars. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's that's where. I mean, it's a good thing because if you're way back, hell, you may end up. Uh, I was just I was just confused. Yeah, when, no, when it happened because no. they were like it sounded like uh, who it was Tony Stewart and. Yeah. Whoever else the commentators are yeah. like, oh, yeah. this might be keep going, and yeah. then all of a sudden it just panned to yeah. Stenhouse's team, and they were celebrating, and I was like, what What happened? So Yeah, so to clarify that rule, what happens is NASCAR overtime, let's say you come down, green flag comes out, you race back around. If there's a caution, if there's a caution before you get to the next flag, which would be the one to go, which would be the one to go, then you re-rack it, you clean that up, and you do it again. They'll do that as many times as needed, but you know, if you start, you go around, and you take the next flag, you take the, the white flag, you, you keep going, you're on that final lap, next flag ends it. If it's yellow, it's done. And that's where they go back to the scoring loops mm-hmm. and all of that. So, it, it, but so it, if it, they would have kept wrecking on the first lap. That's right. It it could, Just kept hypothetically, could have gone on forever. That's right. Endless attempts. That's right. But... NASCAR used to end like we were talking about with Indianapolis, where, where it would end under yellow. They would, but they, where it was different, is they going back to the 1979 race. So AJ Foyt was was actually in, in a spot 
the the wreck happens. The wreck happens. The the yellow comes out, but they would race back to the flag. The field was not frozen. They raced back. I mean, they they would have driven right through where this wreck was. They raced right through that. But AJ Foyt with the IndyCar you know mindset that he had, yellow comes out. He backed out of the gas. Richard Petty takes off, and it cost him that race. Mm-hmm. It cost him that race. Crazy stuff. See, it's complicated. I'm, I feel like I've learned a lot <laughs> the past week, though. No, and I like genuinely have enjoyed watching the race, yeah. and I, I think I would have enjoyed it if I didn't have money on it anyways. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Coming up, Nate Ryan, NBC Sports, will join us. We'll talk more about Daytona, uh, get his feel uh, for California and the future of what's going to happen there at Auto Club Speedway. That is coming up. It's Revved Up ATX on the Horn, live local digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear. And the way the sunlight plays upon her head. <laughs> I hear the sound of a on the wind that lifts her perfume through the air. Revved up ATX on the horn. Time to go racing in California. Racing in California coming up. Ty Henderson right there behind the glass. Bobby Chaffee, Rodney Rodriguez, all of you folks. Great Daytona recap right there, and Ty, you're a hit on the Specs text line, man. You got you got folks saying, uh, "I never understood it." Thanks for asking. <laughs> I guess we need to be clearer when we're uh, trying to explain stuff, Bobby. But uh, yes, so <laughs> let's go to the Carol's Cafe and Cantina hotline as we get uh, set to talk about California. Great piece that I saw by this gentleman uh, talking about California. We'll dive into that. Just amazing stuff uh, a lot of it is is sad to read but it is what it is with this uh, industry nbc sports it is mr nate ryan nate how are we sir uh, doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I guess, uh, you know, obviously they're uh, talking California, uh, not not looking very chamber of commerce uh, over there at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say Mother Nature in Southern California is a two-mile oval fan. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> I think it was... Uh, my former colleague, Jeff Gluck, uh, he now writes The Athletic. We used to work together at USA Today. He tweeted a photo of the rain and said, uh, funeral weather. I saw and, that. You know, he said it. Like, that's, that's what it looks like. I and mean, it was a really sad story I had to write this week. But uh, unfortunately, that's just been the mood of the whole week and certainly so far this weekend. Yeah, yeah and it doesn't sound like the news is getting any better for California. First, you find out that they're going to try to take the big track down that everybody loved, build that half-mile short track. Now we find out they sold, what, all but 89 acres for $544 million. I don't know. Uh, simple math says that last little bit of the 89 acres is going to be worth a lot more money, and it looks like the days of California, or at least NASCAR being in Southern California, the L.A. market, are numbered for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out and understand what the math is and trying to give NASCAR the benefit of the doubt because I think the plan from the start was that they would sell this property off piecemeal mm-hmm. to pay for this overhaul, which they had to know was going to cost hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars. I mean, to, to build a football stadium, to build an NBA arena right now in Southern California, it's, it's a million and a half or uh, I'm sorry, a billion and a half minimum mm. that you have to have. So California Speedway cost $125 million to build in 1997. I mean, even if you have all that existing infrastructure and that footprint and you're rebuilding it now as a half mile, it's probably going to cost 10 times that. Easy. And so I think the plan was sell off, you know, you said it, like they probably sold off maybe 80% of it, it sounds like, and, you know, get a half billion from that and maybe commit another half billion to you know, redoing it as a short track. My theory is 
maybe because of the pandemic, because of everybody knows California is so regulatory, that's already a super fun site. It's going to require a lot of approvals. Uh, maybe the price tag was more than what they expected. Uh, and that's why we haven't really gotten clarity on what's next for this track. If it will be a, a half mile, when that's going to happen, what the time frame is. Uh, there's just a lot of uncertainty. And then, like you mentioned, I mean, the other thing to me is 89 acres. I mean, Irwindale Speedway just up the road from mm-hmm. Fontana, I think it's about 68 acres. So uh, it's not a very large footprint, even for a half mile. And I just, if you're going to have 20 or 30,000 people there, like, you know, where are the parking spots? It's a lot of questions there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nate, and, and here in Texas, we just we, we just have uh, things like this just scare us. I mean, this is what's happened to all of our asphalt short tracks uh, in this state. Uh, obviously, Texas World Speedway, you know, the, the stories there about uh, we've lost asphalt racing here. But this is this is really just a byproduct, it seems like, to where, um, you know, the, the land, the land just uh, it's more valuable than the current use, as weird as that is to say, you know, with the, with a multimillion dollar racetrack operation. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, you guys have a history up there with, with Texas World Speedway. I mean, very sad what happened there. I mean, again, like a similar situation where someone decided what is, is better as a subdivision or whatever than a racetrack. And this happens time and again in Southern California where I, you know, I don't need to tell anybody that property values are just so sky high there and always go up. Uh, this is what happened to Ontario Motor Speedway. Yep. This is what happened to Riverside National Raceway. In both of those instances, the land value became more than what people thought the racetrack was worth. And when that happens, unfortunately, it's just it's really hard to keep these things run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely makes an eyebrow raise for us just because of Texas Motor Speedway. Obviously, you, you remember going to TMS when TMS was the only thing out there. It was in the middle of a field. Now when you go out there, there's a yeah. Bucky's, there's an outlet mall, there's uh, you know distribution centers and all of that. The days may be numbered for TMS, especially since it's not considered one of the most uh, fan-favorite racetracks nowadays. I mean, I'll tell you, like, when I I wrote this in that, that story on NBCSports.com that people could find, uh, you know, when they opened California Speedway in 1997, if you would have told me that place was going to have a 25-year run as a two-mile oval, I would have said you were crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. it felt like it was going to be there forever. And same vibes with Texas Motor Speedway. I mean, when they opened that place, the same year they opened Texas Two months before they opened Fontana, the same vibe, the same feeling of this place is going to be here for you know, permanently. This is NASCAR's stake in the Lone Star State. And now you look at everything that's transpired with Texas, especially since they did the reconfiguration six years ago, where you know, drivers haven't been happy of it, but both NASCAR and IndyCar, they don't like how the turns are different. I don't know if it's had the most positive effect on the racing. And yeah, with all that development, you know, you've got the mall across the street. You've got in and out You've got all this stuff going on around Texas Motor Speedway. That land, I would think, is a lot more valuable. And just like Fontana, that it sits right at the juncture of all those major thoroughfares yeah. and highways. Um, and we're, we're hearing the same thing about other speedways that unfortunately have gone defunct in NASCAR. I mean, Kentucky Speedway, Chicagoland Speedway, same stories. I don't know. Chicagoland Speedway is going to have a Supercross uh, event this year, but Kentucky, we haven't gotten any clarity on what's to come there in terms of their racing schedule. Both of those speedways are unfortunately prime candidates to, for warehouse space. I mean, they're surrounded by all of these big warehouses that, you know, we live in the age of Amazon. And um, unfortunately, I think that's put a lot of racetracks in jeopardy. 
Absolutely. Nate Ryan, NBC Sports, joining us. Uh, great article right there uh, as he talked about, NBCSports.com. Check that out. So, so Nate, it's just, uh, you know, Southern California, that's a, that's a market that NASCAR, uh, you mentioned all of the speedways right there. It's just such a great, rich history right there. Uh, in your opinion, is is Southern California the, the market that NASCAR should be in? Uh, I mean, is, you know, with the clash, uh, that uh, there at the Coliseum, maybe, maybe that satisfies the, the California appetite for this? Uh, your thoughts on that, just with California in general um, and NASCAR? NASCAR has to be in Southern California for a few reasons. I mean, one, and NASCAR President Steve Phelps said this uh, before the Daytona 500 last week, Phelps said that's the number two largest market in America. So, mm-hmm. of course, NASCAR has to be there. Uh, you know, when you look at the, the top three markets, um, really the top four markets in America right now, uh, New York, NASCAR is not there. L.A., NASCAR is not there. Chicago, NASCAR will be there this year for the first time in, in a three-year absence with the street race, so that's a positive. Um, I believe Houston is number four, and obviously, you know, we've, we've talked about it. I mean, uh, thank God they added the race to Coda and that they have the presence in Austin now, but, uh, you know, there, there's there's already been a race taken away from Texas. So mm-hmm. uh, there's just, I, I think NASCAR is, is very mindful of the fact that they need to be in places where the most people are. So I think that they will return to Southern California next year, probably for the Clash, which, as you mentioned, that Clash at the Coliseum exhibition race that precedes the Daytona 500 in the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, year one was spectacular in 2022. Last month's race was not as good, um, so I, I think that's something NASCAR's going to have to address, and especially from the perspective of it, they're not racing at Fontana in 2024. It, they probably need a points race, I think, in Southern California to really make it feel like it's a big deal, that that's a market that they care about. Uh, I don't know how you do a points race at, at a quarter-mile track inside <laughs> a football stadium, so that's, that's going to be an interesting hurdle for, for NASCAR to, I think, tackle next year. But yes, I think they absolutely have to be in Southern California. All right, now let's move forward to the positive stuff. Obviously, lots of people were watching the Daytona 500. Decent ratings, despite the fact that the ratings were down a little bit over last year's. But lots of good stories coming out of Daytona. Obviously, JTD Jordy winning that race. Ricky Stenhouse kind of getting a redemption win, if you will. From your boots on the ground perspective, what's the biggest story coming out of Daytona right now? Uh, I think Stenhouse is probably it. Uh because it's, it's, it's very much in line with what we've seen from Daytona 500 winners in recent years, where it's these underdog drivers and teams. Uh, you know, I would consider Ricky Stenhouse Jr. a journeyman driver, even though he's got two Xfinity Series championships. He's been kicking around the Cup Series for 10 years, and he's got a couple of wins, but he's had a lot of misses. Yeah. And I, there were a lot of instances at Daytona and Talladega where when the big wreck happened, he was usually the one in the middle of it or the one triggering it or causing it. So... Uh, huge win for him, obviously the finding moment in his career. And as you mentioned, for JTG Doherty, uh, which has been one of the underdog teams in the Cup Series for about 15 years, uh, a big win for them as well. But always the question is coming out of Daytona, much like we saw with Austin Cindric winning the Daytona 500 as a rookie last year, much like we saw two years ago and Michael McDowell, another huge underdog, won that race for front-run motorsports. 
can it be sustained? That's that's going to be a big question going forward because Daytona is like, unlike any other track and race, as you guys know, on the schedule. Yeah, Nate, I would love your thoughts. Uh, obviously, after your number one with uh, with the next gen car, as it's called, you know, NASCAR going back and and constantly working on this car, uh, doing things, the, the the safety things, you know, were things that, that that came up, and obviously that that's of most importance. But it really seems like NASCAR has done some uh, really nice due diligence right here throughout the off season. They go and to go and tweak things that, you know, in their opinion, through the R&D, uh, needed to be done to make this car even better and safer. Yeah, they did a lot based off feedback from the drivers on trying to improve the safety of this car. Obviously, when you have uh, two drivers missed time last year because of head injuries and concussions sustained from the heavy impacts, uh, that was something that absolutely had to be addressed. I think, though, Jury is still going to be out until, uh, you know, maybe we get a month or two into the season and there's been enough, uh, evidence kind of built up, unfortunately, through the, the, the heavy impacts that you're going to have at every racetrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it was a good sign that they got through Daytona, which of course is known for its vicious hits and, and huge wrecks. They got through that without having an Alex Bowman or a Kurt Busch get sidelined. So that was good to see. Fontana is going to be another test. Um, Ross Chastain took a hit in a practice crash. Uh, at this race last year uh, that, that really shook him up. And, you know, I fear that uh, obviously today, no practice, no qualifying. They're going to be going in this race cold. You might see some guys lose it. Um, I, I think, you know, again, like reserving judgment until we see this, this car in a lot of situations where it takes some hard hits. But, yeah, I, it's certainly NASCAR has done the due diligence and has done the work in the offseason to improve it. All right, Nate, looking forward to the rest of the season. Obviously, Kevin Harvick's last year is going to be the bigger story among most as he tries to get another win. Uh, everybody wants him to go out on the white horse with a championship. Don't know if that's going to be possible, but we also only have one race in. Other other than the Harvick deal, uh, what's the next biggest story of the year? I mean, is it going to be the continued dominance of Hendrick Motorsports? Will it be you know rivalry between teammates? Is it the Joe Gibb Racing versus 2311? What in your mind, other than Kevin Harvick, is going to be the biggest story at least of the first half of 2023 kyle bush would probably be where i would start for yeah. the next biggest story after harvick and and we saw a lot of that at the daytona 500 i mean to me like I, I, stenhouse jr and jtg jordy were, were a great winning story but to me nascar's best storyline would have been if kyle bush would have won that race and you know he was a lap and a half from doing it until mm-hmm. that caution came out for the daniel Suarez spin. so uh but it was a great start i think that the first two races, I mean, uh, Kyle Busch and his new teammate at Richard Childress Racing, Austin Dillon, finished second and third at the Coliseum. They worked together extremely well in the draft at Daytona, and, and again, I think Kyle Busch should have won the Daytona 500. But, as I said about Stenhouse, I mean, Fontana is the first big test. So th- this will be the first big test of what this move from Joe Gibbs Racing after 15 seasons and two championships with that powerhouse team for Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch now moving to... Uh, RCR from Joe Gibbs Racing. RCR has been a mid-pack team. They haven't had a championship since the Dale Earnhardt days. They they win races here and there, but they certainly would not be in that A-list of contenders. Can Kyle Busch get there? Uh, I think he could elevate this team, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, and I think Kyle Busch is one of those drivers, much like Tony Stewart, that when he feels like it's him against the world, he drives better. And there's no question in my mind, like, he is motivated to prove to the world that, like, 
I wasn't winning because I was with Joe Gibbs Racing. I was winning because I'm an elite all-world driver. I'm Kyle Busch, and I think that could be fun to watch. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. Nate, as always, great work, my man. Thank you for checking in with us. I think the other thing that's going to be cool, uh, when, when and if we get on the track in California, we've, we've had some some weeping there, and uh, this asphalt is, is awful thin and old. Uh, I, I think it's going to throw a, a little extra uh, horseshoe into this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly uh, handling and tire management is always such a premium in there. I mean, that's the original layer of asphalt that they put down in January of 1997. <laughs> so it's falling apart, unfortunately, but it, it makes for good racing. And like you said, I mean, hopefully there's no weepers. I mean, hopefully it doesn't interrupt the racing, but it's we know it's going to be a true test of man and machine uh, tomorrow. So be fun to watch. Absolutely. Nate, thanks a lot, my friend. Hope to talk to you again soon. Uh, pleasure uh, to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet, man. Take care. There he goes, Nate Ryan, NBCSports.com, and uh, he also hosts uh, the NASCAR podcast uh, there with NBC. Check that stuff. Read that article. Re- th- that is such a great piece right there. Yeah, it's a really good piece. I read it again last night just to get prepared for the show. See, I occasionally do show prep, uh, but you know, I actually read an article twice. That one, that one was hard to not read. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just packed of, uh, I mean, just really good stuff. And at the same time, I, I do think that that it hits us harder because this is like what we go through so often mm-hmm. uh, here in Texas. Follow him at Nate Ryan on Twitter. Coming up, pit stop news and notes, places for races as we get you set for what we hope is race weekend in California. It's revved up ATX on the horn. ATX on the horn, setting the theme, NASCAR in Fontana. I'll tell you. Ty's great, isn't he? I'll tell you, man. All you got to do is give him a little bit. You got to give him a little bit of, hey, this week they're racing in California and it's raining. And then he's like, we're in California like they're in L.A. He's like, I'll take care of it. I got it. You're ready. Next week is Vegas. That's right. Next week is Vegas, and and that's a p- part of this. And I wanted to touch on that uh, with Nate, but uh, I mean, it's just it's hard to get everything in with. I mean, he's just he's just so good. Uh, th- there's things you want to ask, and you just run out of time. But that is the beauty of this because uh, you know it w- we'll try to race today we'll, or tomorrow for Cup. This thing will just continue to roll on with this West Coast swing that will make it a little bit easier. Yeah, you know, should this thing push itself out to to Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday, if that happens, you know, you're you're not going to. Uh, you know, you're not going to, to Texas or, or anything like that. So so that will factor in there as well. We'll have a Nate's interview podcast at hornfm.com. Pitch stop news and notes getting to be about go time. You mentioned Texas Motor Speedway. Now we have the PPG 375, a titled event right there, and that'll fire off the NTT uh, IndyCar Series here in the Lone Star State. Yeah, it does. That's a big, big news for TMS. Obviously, Penske doing that business-to-business deal. PPG a sponsor on the IndyCar side and the Cup side. So, Roger Penske's the king of business-to-business deals. Yeah, he is. Uh, also saw this week uh, at Speedsport.com that uh, IndyCar doing uh, a little bit of, uh, I guess, well, it's not going to be uh, R&D because it's happening. Uh, they'll allow alternative tires uh, at the at the shorter at the shorter tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll be trying that right there. So, again, uh, IndyCar really, really working 
working hard to to hone in that product. Uh, you know, the uh, I think it's uh, one of those things to where IndyCar is going to continue to work, and and we'll, we'll see how the season shakes out for them. Because once again, they have a loaded driver roster, and I I, I love the Indy cars on the ovals, but I, I mean, I get there's just I, not enough of them. I know, I, I I totally get that, and at the same time, you know, in the past, in the past, if you go back and you hate to talk about racing tragedies, but you know, when Indy cars had them, it's on those high speed ovals, but they've done a great job. You know, in, in in really the the safety factor of those missiles. Yeah, the aero screen come a long way. I mean, you can ask Jimmy Johnson about running the ovals with the aero screen. I mean, that's why he decided to run the Indianapolis 500 because he was felt safer with the aero screen. And we've seen it work. Uh, we've seen some incredibly crazy crashes since they had the aero screen, and it has actually done some really great driver safety innovations over there and kept a lot of drivers safe. Absolutely, uh, we will be following as well. Uh, we saw uh, s- some news in one of our Texans. Uh, obviously, somebody asked me if I was going to mention this, and and of course, I mean, we we we're going to talk about you know stuff that's relevant. Uh, we saw our man Corey Roper, who has been on this program multiple times, as well as on the uh, live cast Mondays at 6.30 at RevedUpSportsShow.com. Uh, indefinite suspension, suspension there for NASCAR. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll continue to follow that. Uh, I, I've, I've kind of got some calls in, and you know, just, just to know the, the clarity of what happened. So uh, hated to see that for him because, uh, uh, again, that's a small team. That's a single team right there. They had six uh, races already uh, set with Caden Honeycutt, but hopefully that shakes itself out because uh, the Roper and Corey, that, that, that's good people right there. That's yeah, great real good people. people. One of my favorite people to deal with in the sport over years, from super late models all the way up to the truck series. Just good people. Just really good people. Uh, Supercross heading over to AT&T Stadium. Their second and final stop in the state of Texas here in their uh, their season. Hell, they're all about halfway through their season about already. About halfway, yeah. They get fired off. Uh, Supercross. Supercrosslive.com Power Poll. Uh, power Rankings. Eli Tomac back on top as he wins at Oakland, so uh, back on track. Cooper Webb slides up one spot over Chase Sex. Jason Alexander, Aaron Plessinger, that is your top five. I, I like seeing Anderson and Plessinger. I like seeing the push that they're making right there. Obviously, this is going to be t- Tomac's uh, championship to to lose, but uh, the resurgence of Cooper Webb. Again, you know, we a couple of years ago, we, we'd kind of put Cooper Webb to bed after a championship, and boom, here he came. So uh, could be what we're watching here once again. Yeah, every couple of years, it's like every other year, Cooper Webb has a lights-out season. Uh, he on, on again, off, on, off, and this is, seems to be one of his on years. Uh, coming up, he should be one of the ones to challenge Tomac. And and how about the youngster right there, Sexton? You know, we we, we saw that coming, uh, and he is delivering uh, as he is sitting se- or third in that poll right now. Kenny Roxon sixth in that power rankings. Uh, Justin Barsha, Adam C and Cirillo in spot number eight, still up and rolling here as we're uh, halfway through the season. Joey Savecchi and Christian Craig. That is uh, SuperCrossLive.com. You can catch that tonight uh, as they will head over to AT and T Stadium. Always fun to watch uh, Supercross there at that massive place, man. That that that's a the sound, the sound is amazing in that place. Yeah, and all racing, triple crown format tonight That's right. with, uh, with the Supercross there at AT&T Stadium. Yep, good stuff. We talked about California. Hopefully all that's going to come to pass. Places for races, my friend. So uh, Xfinity qualifying and Cup Series qualifying both washed out due to Mother Nature. Mother Nature, uh, within reason, may get the Xfinity Series race at Fontana Kicked off at 4 p.m. at FS1. Not looking positive. 100% chance of rain, last thing I saw up there. Uh, Supercross at AT&T Stadium. Obviously, we just talked about the Triple Crown format. 7 p.m. on Peacock. Actually, will re-air at uh, 11 p.m. on CNBC Local Time. Tomorrow, you've got race day on FS1 starting at 1 p.m. Uh, then you switch to the race day on Fox from 1.30 to 2.30. And then the Apollo Casino 400 Cup Series race supposed to kick off at 2.30 there on Network Fox. Could kick off an hour earlier depending on weather, so check 
social media for that. We'll try to stay on top of it as much as we can. Next week, the IndyCar Series returns. Uh, they'll be on NBC. We'll talk about more about that next week. And then don't forget, exactly one month away from NASCAR at Coda, there's still chances to get your tickets out there for that. NASCAR at Coda.com. And join the NASCAR Fantasy League. We're up to, I think we're 28. Up, yeah, 28. So uh, I, I finished a firm 22nd in the Daytona 500 last week. So uh, great start for me. <laughs> um, I tied for a four-way tie for 17. No, oh, how about that? How about that? I was in the big one, apparently. Um, things to watch for California. Like we said, this is a very old surface. There were some aero changes to this car that will be affected at this place. This is going to be a great race if this thing happens. Uh, well, it's going to happen, but uh, you'll want to watch this because uh, it'll be very entertaining. That is coming up. Stick around. High noon. My man, Mr. TC Speaks. He is here. Real life, real talk is coming up for Bobby. Ty, I'm Rodney. Catch us next week right here on the Hornets Revved Up ATX. Live local digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.